here's what I'll say. So no one misinterprets what I'm saying. There are some who it goes against their conscience to sing songs that have been written or composed by people and or groups and or cults that have strayed away from the faith. I completely get that 100%. I don't necessarily think this song uh, has strayed away from the original meaning, but if you disagree with me, I want to know in the comments what you think, because I think it's it's so close to the original. Like you said, it is a Frankenstein, but it does kind of pick up on the same themes. Welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Cara Devereaux. And I'm Monet Funka. And in today's episode, we are talking about the song, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. Or wait, no, it's On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. Or no, maybe it's Cornerstone. <laughs> You'll have to stay tuned to find out. But first, if you're listening on YouTube, hit subscribe and ring the bell so that you're notified whenever we drop a new episode. We're also available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. But if you don't want to leave our contact up to the algorithms of social media, head on over to himpartial.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter, which will deliver our news straight to your inbox and also fun bonus content just for newsletter subscribers. That's right. So this song is pretty popular. For the old schoolers among us, um, they would know this song as My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. But for the younger crowd, we would recognize it better as On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand or some derivation of that title. Cara, what is the title you know this song by and what is your exposure to it? So I think I know this one by My Hope is Built on Nothing Less and On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, but I always know that's the same song. I don't get confused by it. Yeah. I guess, um, yeah, we started singing this one when we started going to a Reformed church, which was more traditional in its style. Um, and I quite liked this one because mm -hmm. it had that perky chorus. Yeah. And I wasn't used to singing hymns, so it was about yeah. as close as we got to the kind of thing I was used to. <laughs> it was the gateway hymn for you. It was like, the chorus, <laughs> it's a chorus. <laughs> well, um, I was surprised to realize just how old this song really is. It is definitely a favorite for many Christians. Um, but what is the history? Well, this song was written in the 19th century by a Baptist preacher called Edward Mote. That's what I'm going to say. It's M-O-T-E. It's either Mot or Modi. <laughs> Could be Mott. Mott. Okay, let's try Mott. He was born in London in 1797. He was raised by non-religious religious parents. The family owned a pub. And basically, Edward spent his youth living like a secular youth <laughs> of that age. <laughs> Um, though he would often visit churches whenever a notable preacher would come through. Um, I guess this was kind of a thing to do before yeah. we became such a secular uh, society. Like if it was a notable preacher, you would go check them out. It was like a, a traveling celebrity. Yeah, it's, we didn't have movies. Like yeah. honestly, when <laughs> movies started to become a thing, this started to taper off a bit. I think it's just evening entertainment, really. Yeah, go hear what the preacher has to say. Yeah, I remember 
uh, there was a guy in the locality where our church is in Edinburgh. And he was saying about the last time he was in the church building, which is now our building, mm-hmm. he would come to hear the speaker and he'd like bring the old bread rolls to throw at him or something. I might be remembering <laughs> that story wrong, but basically he was like, oh, I couldn't come to your church. Last time I was there, I was throwing like still bread at someone. Oh, brother. <laughs> so I think uh, sometimes it could be for mischief, but sometimes it's just like, yes. well, better than an evening by candlelight at home. I, you know what? I have read a few biographies where, yes, the the men who ended up getting converted did go to these evening um, sermons for mischief, you know, to make fun of and to kind of antagonize the preacher, basically. I actually know a man who was telling me his testimony. And the first time he went to church, it was the intent with the intent of killing someone. Oh, my gosh. And <laughs> um, he thought this person was having an affair with his mother. So he he's telling me this. He's like, yeah, and I went to church. And I was like looking around for this guy and then the preacher started. So I couldn't really get up. And this guy was like, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. And he was like, who's this guy been talking to? Like the only <laughs> sin in that list I haven't committed is homosexuality. <laughs> um, and he got saved wow. the preaching and didn't kill the guy. Wow. Um, so yeah, good. there's a fun story for you. <laughs> Doubly good ending. <laughs> no one died. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's basically what happened to Edward. Uh, one day in 1813, he heard the gospel preached by John Hyatt in Tottenham Court Chapel. And this is what Edward had to say of that day. He said, quote, my parents have, my parents having no fear of God, I went to a school where no Bible was allowed so that I was totally ignorant of the word of life when I entered that place of worship. So it's I think really sad, right? It's kind of like, I mean, it's more, we could relate more to that today. Mm. Um, he had more to say about it, but essentially it was there that the seed of the gospel was planted in him. And about two years later, he would say he was finally converted and he was baptized in November of that year, which was 1815. So what, what? <laughs> I love it. So by profession, he was a cabinet maker. He also wrote for the press. Um, It wasn't until 1852 that he became a pastor of a Baptist church in Sussex. Um, He served there for about 21 years until his health prevented him from carrying on in ministry. Um, Before he died, uh, just one year later, he was quoted as saying, The truths I have preached, I am now living upon, and they will do to die upon. What a guy. Right? I was like, who talks like this? I just want to, like, steal some of this talent. Like, it's so, so cool. What do you think about that? (laughs) I mean, from someone who grew up under a bar Mm -hmm. um, to to this guy who's like, yeah, I'm going to live and die in the truth of Christ. That's quite the testimony. It's incredible. It really is. It really is. Um, and just reading a bit about his biography, it seemed that he was really kind of like seeing that his death was near and he was just kind of spouting off this kind of stuff like <laughs> left and right. You know, it's just such a great testimony to see someone live and die in mm. such a God honoring way. You know, um, if you if you're living for Christ, then dying for him. I'm not trying to make it romantic but it should match you know like how you die and how you live should be 
yeah the same if you're truly a Christian but this comes back as well to the conference we were at one of the subjects um was death basically Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting because the speaker was saying about we don't have to fear death but also he was it was just reminding me as you're talking about what he said about um I can't remember the exact reference, but it says somewhere in the Bible, (laughs) um, precious in God's sight are the death of his saints. Mm. And uh, yeah, he was talking about how um, actually dying is not a bad thing for us because we get to be with Christ. So it's it's nothing to fear. And I guess this guy had really got a grasp of that. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, So before he died, he published several small pamphlets. And in 1936, he published published a hymnal called Hymns of Praise, a new selection of gospel hymns combining all the excellencies of our spiritual poets with many originals. (laughs) That's a a very concise and snappy title. (laughs) Right. Hymns of Praise, I'm sure, is how it's uh, referred to shorthand. (laughs) Um, But yeah, in this this hymnal was estimated that he wrote about 100 of the hymns. in there, including today's hymn, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. From what I can tell, this song has made its appearance not only in this hymnal, but in nearly a thousand other hymnals, including some by Seventh-day Adventists, which I found interesting. I found that with last week's um, song. And I was just like, what are you guys doing with our hymns? To be fair, I should should look up what their version says. Interestingly, um, just briefly, I'll look at what they've changed. They seem to only have the first three verses and not the last verse which you're going to read for us in two seconds. Um, So that's really interesting because I I don't know enough about what they believe to know why they would sing this hymn and it would still have, like they would still keep their integrity (laughs) in terms of what they believe. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I'd be curious why they left out the last verse as well. Um, because that's about Jesus coming back, just for reference. Yeah. If anyone knows, really curious, let us yeah. know. Yeah. Very curious, very curious. Um, so just really briefly, I, I mentioned earlier that this hymn has a few different names. I was being kind of cheeky. But it was originally titled The Immutable Basis for a Sinner's Hope. And that's why we call it On Christ the Solid <laughs> Rock I Stand. We don't use, like... 50 million point Scrabble words like immutable anymore. (laughs) No, but that's why I kind of love this title because it kind of gets to the core of why this hymn is so popular um, and is often referred to by its refrain on Christ the Solid Rock I Stand because my faith is solid. It is solid. The object Mm. of my hope is immutable. It's unchanging. It's not going to decay. It's not going to rot. It's not going to wash away. In, and I like that. You're right. We don't use those $5 words anymore, but I kind of wish we did because it gets it gets yeah. to the point. It's interesting. Um, just thinking about the word, this is slightly off tangent, but you know, you're asking about my history with this hymn. One of the things I liked about it was that 
lot of hymns in the hymn books that I just didn't have. I, I didn't have the education to understand the theological. I didn't have the vocabulary, none of it. Mm. And so for this one, I understood the chorus, struggled a bit with the verses, but the chorus mm. makes sense. And growing yeah. up, um, I lived a lot of my life near the water. Um, mm-hmm. Not really the sea, but a large tidal estuary. And mm-hmm. so I get that image. So standing yeah. on Christ the solid rock and everything else just being shifting beneath your feet. That was yeah. like, okay, this is something I actually understand. I could get it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, I mean, we we all have our preferences on the title, but <laughs> the title's I don't not the- mind. Like whatever, <laughs> as long as I know what hymn you're talking yeah. about, I really no, no, know what no. you call it. I'm only teasing. I'm only teasing. I've, um, yeah. Just not Cornerstone, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> we will. <laughs> so as I mentioned, this has appeared in nearly a thousand hymnals and there's quite a bit of variation in the lyrics, um, which we just saw for the Seventh-day Adventist hymnal that this belongs to. Um, And it seems like the modern hymnals have sort of changed the lyrics entirely, uh, which is a bit strange. Uh, But before we dig in further, I will just ask that Cara read the lyrics as published in New Christian Hymns. From what I can tell, these are the most commonly used lyrics for this song. So I'm comfortable that we go with this one as kind of like the foundation. Okay. Um, it's good to know that there's variation. So if anybody's like getting mad, that's why it's not our fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the lyrics are, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When dark veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and st- Gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, and his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my whole stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock and all other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Yeah, I really like this song. Yeah, it's it's really lovable. Just really quick, we won't go into the variations really too much, but one of the most recent versions of the song that was published, published last year in 2020, it's changed verses two and three. Um, so t- verse two is, in every rough and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay, which is obviously kind of pulling from the lyrics that are already there. Verse oh, three like is, a, is that sorry, like a is that not a mashup of verse two and verse? Three? Yes. Oh, okay. And verse three is entirely new. Verse three is not earth nor hell my soul can move. I rest upon unchanging love. I trust the righteous character, his counsel, promise, and his power. It's not bad. Who wrote it? I don't know. It came from uh it came from a hymnal called Voices Together. Mm, never heard of it. But like that's that's not a, a terrible verse, really. No, it's just different. So whatever. Yeah. So lots of different versions of this song. Nearly a thousand hymnals have claimed it. 
Um, but let's talk about these kind of more accepted four verses. Verse one, we have. So first of all, let's just say there's a lot of scripture references in this uh, in this passage. We talked about it last week that, you know, you find a lot of similar phrases and a lot of similar, um, you know, kind of themes in hymns because, hello, we're talking about the same God um, in his same reveal revered revealed word can't speak um but this one has crazy amounts of references so we're just going to keep it to one reference per verse because we could just be here all day but i do encourage you to look through i know we talked about this on other episodes like look through the verses and see if you can see where the scripture references are and i mean maybe even pull up your bible app and like search like some of the key words and see like Mm -hmm. where this is coming from in scripture because it is a good exercise to do Maybe even if it's a song you've sung a million and one times and you think, oh, okay, well, this is just like, I'm so tired of singing it. Like maybe do this to refresh yourself and and to see the hymn anew. Yeah. I digress. Verse one, our hope lies in Jesus' blood and righteousness. So we find this in 1 Corinthians 1, 30 through 31. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And this is funny because we talked about it last week, but we it didn't even um, cross my mind until we talked about it last week. But legitimately, it is so lovely to see um, this this uh this juxtaposition of Jesus blood and righteousness it's like he had to die but he also lived perfectly it's that like seeing it face to face like that he had to die his blood had to be shed yeah. but he lived a righteous life and there was no reason for his um for him to die it was only so that we could um walk in that and that righteousness that he allows us to put on, clothe ourselves with, yeah. which we'll get to later. <laughs> the other thing is like, he didn't just spend 30 years earthly life waiting to die. Mm-mm. Like part of what he was doing was done in those 30 years in living a, a sinless life. Yeah. Yeah. So verse two, we have hope in the Lord of the storms and trials we face. This is obviously all over scripture. But one place where I think it's really clear is Isaiah 25, verse 4. Okay, Isaiah 25, verse 4. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against the wall. Yeah, so it's obviously all over scripture that Christ is, that God is, um, our our refuge and our strength and that he provides this shelter for us because he's great. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's lovely to sing about that as well in verse two. Yeah, thinking of other references in my head, I was like, oh yeah, that's like Psalm 46. God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Yep. That one. Yeah. Yep. All over, all over scripture. That's a good one. Should have had it. 
verse three actually carries on um, that storm in imagery saying that it it's only the oath of Christ that keeps me from drowning. This verse, along with the refrain, get its imagery from the parable of the wise and foolish builders or the two foundations. I don't, I don't know how it's labeled in your Bible. Um, so let's just go ahead and read the whole thing because it's kind of like the core of this song in Luke 6, verses 47 to 49. Luke 6, 47 to 49 says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was Yes, the ruin of that house was great. Um, so this is just, I mean, I think this is this, this parable is repeated maybe once or twice elsewhere in the Gospels. But I think it's really important just to understand that like, this is, I think this is why this song resonates so much with people is that mm. they do understand there are two foundations and everyone has built their house on one of them. So it's lovely to remind ourselves what the good thing is to do is not to build your house on the sandy, unstable foundations of the world. Mm. Um, I've seen this a lot, especially since the pandemic uh, hit last year. So many people's worlds kind of fell apart because they had built their joy and their happiness and their security on things that wash away when the storms of life hit. Um, And praise God, there were many who didn't crumble because their foundation was built on the solid rock. And that is not a boast like, oh, hey, we got it together. It's just by the grace of God that, that we, you know, that we were able to build our, our lives, our, our feeble, humble lives on this solid rock that is Christ. And it's so um, comforting to us that, yes, the waves will crash against us, and yet we still stand. <laughs> what? That's a miracle. You know, I actually think of this more recently, too, because there's been um, a giant earthquake in Haiti recently, and then like a huge um, hurricane that hit Louisiana again um, this year. And I don't know if you got if you remember Hurricane Katrina, yeah, back in two thousand six, but it was a crazy bad storm. And the reason why it was extra extra terrible is that the levees that hold in flood water broke, and it basically drowned a city. You know, and that's like all of that stuff just fresh in my mind because of the news. And I'm thinking of this particular verse, and it's like, yes, it makes a huge difference. It, it's the difference between this this storm and Hurricane Katrina. I don't even remember what this storm was called because it obviously no one's really thinking about it as much. Yeah. Because Katrina was the bad one. I'm sure people um, in Louisiana know the name of the storm, but I can't think of it right now off the yeah, top of my but head. People still talk about Hurricane Katrina as yeah. well. So like it was a big deal. Yeah. 
I think as well, like it's good to remember that when you're standing on a rock and like all the waves are around and the water's rushing up, that is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not saying it's not, but you know, you have a foundation you can trust and you know, just stand on the foundation, mm-hmm. build on the foundation. And no mm-hmm. matter how scary the waters are, you're going to be okay because you have that foundation. You know, you hit it. I don't want to stretch this too far, but you hit the nail on the head. The reality is it's the rock that's solid, yeah. right? It's not us. The only security we have is by clinging with all our life <laughs> to this rock so that we don't get, you know, uh, thrown off into the sea. Um, but yeah, it's the rock that's solid, not us. So there's no really no room for us to boast. Um yeah. So powerful, obviously, that verse and the refrain come from this like really wonderful parable that the Lord is is warning us lovingly uh, in. Um, so lots to say about that, but we'll move on to verse four. Looking forward to Christ's return. Yay! <laughs> Yay! And giving I'm excited a sim- for it too. <laughs> I know. No, for real. I mean, it. I think this is the this verse kind of plays to the original title of the hymn, which was um, the the object of my hope is immutable. I think this is the verse that actually talks about hope because you're saying, oh, may I then in him be found, right? It's like when, when he should come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. It's like, I hope that I am in my right standing with Christ. Like, you know, it's not just like, oh, I hope I'm right. That I made it sound too light. It's like, I know it'll be sure when it happens, but that it's not sure yet. Right. When he comes with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in him be found. That's that's what our faith is. We're saying, yes, we're trusting that in that day we will. But that day hasn't come yet. So there's the hope, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's not like a will I, will I not, will I? It's more yeah. kind of like I know it's going to happen and yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for that. Yes, I'm yeah. hoping that. Um, but I, I think my favorite bit of this verse is dressed in his righteousness alone. It's like, that's the only thing that I could bring mm. to the meeting of Christ's coming is his righteousness. It's like, oh, this this old thing, it's yours. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> so um so picking up on that, kind of like what we actually bring to the table, um, I think a great verse for that is Philippians three, eight to nine. Okay. Philippians 3, 8 to 9 says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. If that doesn't say it, I don't know what does, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, do you have any final thoughts on these verses, Cara? Um, There was one thing that I was thinking as as we were talking, and it's not really important, but it surprised me that he's a Sussex boy. 
um, because um, it's not that near the water. So it surprised me that he wasn't like a sailor or, mm. you know, someone who in a fishing village or something. I just like the strength of the water imagery, yeah. the kind of like storms and the waves and things. And I was like, okay, so he's, he's not even, you know, from a sailing family or something. It's interesting. Yeah, I think it just comes down to the fact that um, he is immersed in his script in scripture. You know, yeah. he's obviously very a a very eloquent man based on <laughs> just how he talks about seeing the Lord. But yeah, no, interesting. I didn't even think about that. See, geography is still a mystery to me when it comes to <laughs> the UK. So I'm like, where, huh? <laughs> no, I'm just uh, interesting. It doesn't actually matter. Um, I think. <laughs> Floods are quite a universal yeah, language, really. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's such a beautiful hymn. Yeah. I really love it. Um, I haven't sung it in a long time, and that mm. does make me regret it a little bit. <laughs> well, we the, this Sunday's the day. Change your just kidding. <laughs> it could be tonight at just alone by yourself. Yeah, I'll sing it for my little personal devos tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, real quick, let's talk about covers and tunes for this song because there are a bunch. Yeah, I've already thrown shade on one of them. So, <laughs> The tune most associated with this hymn is called Solid Rock, and it was composed in 1863 by William Bradbury. Most versions or covers of this song borrow from this tune um, if they don't just use it flat out. Yep. There's another hymn tune that's used for this hymn called Melita. And it was composed by John, John Backus Dykes in, in 1861. Some real hymn fans might recognize the tune if they heard it. Melita is often used with the hymn Eternal Father, Strong to Save, Whose Arm Hath Bound the Restless Wave. I don't know this, the hymn tune, but I think I've seen his name written down because I thought that Backus was a very bizarre choice of middle name. <laughs> yes. I mean, I listened to the tune and I was like, I'm pretty sure I sang a song to this once, but I can't put my finger on it. So it might have been this song that I that I sang to that tune maybe once. But I'm sure a lot of us used to sing the Hillsong cover slash version of this song called Cornerstone. Um, the lyrics are pretty identical in some places to Mott's original song. But of course, the refrain is different. Kara, I know you want to say something about this version. <laughs> it's just such a Frankenstein's monster of a, <laughs> of a chorus. It's like Christ alone. Obviously, you've nicked that from in Christ alone. Cornerstone happens to rhyme with alone. Weak <laughs> means strong in the Father's love. Like, well, yeah, it's true, but it's just... Cornerstone, it just well, cornerstone is, you know, is Christ is the cornerstone the 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 one the builders rejected it's just felt like oh hey look what a hip trendy word we found let's find some stuff to rhyme with it it's (laughs) vaguely biblical and yeah my little old lady's coming out so harsh so harsh I used to I used to jam cornerstone you know I had no idea pardon I had no idea what Hillsong's beliefs were Obviously, since the early aughts, we realized some of their stuff is heretical. But this song was my jam once upon a time. And I know we sing it quite a lot at church. I know, I don't think my old church that 
used to sing this song still does because we all grow up and learn from our mistakes I mean, <laughs> but the know, song I on its own right is okay it's, yeah it's, i wouldn't not no, no, sing no. it here's like, what i'll say so no one misinterprets what i'm saying there are some who it goes against their conscience to sing songs that have been written or composed by people and or groups and or cults that have strayed away from the faith I completely get that 100%. I don't necessarily think this song uh, has strayed away from the original meaning, but if you disagree with me, I want to know in the comments what you think, because I think it's it's so close to the original. Like you said, it is a Frankenstein, but it does kind of pick up on the same themes as the original um, mixed in with a little bit of yeah. some other songs. So I wouldn't, like I'm slagging it, but I wouldn't not sing it. My beef is with the fact that it's just not as well written as I would personally prefer. Um, but I was actually having this conversation with my flatmate uh, a few days ago. We were talking about um, Hillsong songs because we do sometimes sing Hillsong songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just kind of having this conversation about, I don't recommend Hillsong because I do like some of their songs and some of their songs theologically are okay Mm -hmm. but the reason that I don't tend to recommend individual songs is because I have some friends who wouldn't necessarily know that Hillsong wasn't good Mm -hmm. and then they might think because one song is good they could listen to other songs and then it's a slippery slope so I don't have any problem with this particular song except the literary lack of value <laughs> but and this is where and this is where yeah. we disagree because i because i definitely okay. appreciate it i think it's got a good tune and everything oh it's so, definitely like catchy i appreciate yeah. the musical part it's just the lyrics could be so much better could they well the cornerstone <laughs> bit could be the rest of it's pretty good um okay so there's actually a duo called caleb and kelsey that did a version yes of this where they mashed up in Christ alone cornerstone and my hope is built on nothing less. It's okay. I can't say I clicked my heels about it. I think it's, I guess, clever. It's picking up on what has already been done in cornerstone, as you were saying, kind of pulling those songs together. It's okay. The, the Caleb and Kelsey are very talented people and they have beautiful voices. I have no idea what their thoughts are on i actually really liked their mashup of amazing grace and house of the rising sun ah uh, that's right i think you were saying this about saying that so there was a version of this song that we sang at my old church and i cannot i don't even know how to find it it's all the same lyrics as my hope is built on nothing less but the the refrain is sung very differently like it's almost in the way we did it in our church was almost like kind of a gospel call and answer um where it'd be like on christ on christ the solid rock i stand christ the solid rock i stand it was like really kind of it was dope sounds really cool yeah i was searching for days trying to find this version online i was like did we make it up um (laughs) but that was that's a that's a totally different tune but it's the same exact lyrics. And there's probably so many, many more. Like I said, this song is in a thousand hymnals. Hymnals. That's that's like one corner of the of the Christian world. There's yeah. loads of churches that don't even use hymnals. Um, so I don't know, Cara, is there a version I've left out that you're really into? <laughs> um, 
now that I can think of, but now I want to go find that kind of gospel version. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've heard some beautiful harmonies to this. Um, there's a lot of very beautiful arrangements of this song, but yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, so it's so nice sometimes when you're really familiar with the song just to um, kind of look into it more and look at the, the biblical references and stuff. So thank you so much for going through that and telling us about the man behind the hymn and everything. And I hope uh, you guys have found it as encouraging and interesting as I have. Um, so until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.